Legends cast episode, season two, episode 11, part two records in three, two. Hello and welcome to Legends cast. Uh, we're going to start again. Legends cast uh, season two, episode 11 records in three, two. Hello and welcome to Legends cast. I am one. Oh my gosh. How can I not remember our intro? Starting again. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. I am one of your hosts, Mark Lutz, or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA. And with me, I have my ever, and it's this morning, which is strange. I have my ever faithful co host, DBN. Now, DBN and I just recorded, well, like, what yesterday or two days ago um we are yeah we are on episode 11 part two but i mean i still would like to know over the last 48 hours uh how you been dbn uh, i've been all right you know you win some you lose some uh both in games and in life but uh i'm here just uh worked out this morning and uh ready to talk about some legends of runeterra there's some cool stuff that came out and i've been kind of hyped up and talking about it with people pretty much anyone who will listen to me so <laughs> yeah absolutely we got through the first recording of episode 11 and realized we are not gonna have a reasonable amount of time to talk about all the cards that have been revealed plus we knew that like within 24 hours we were gonna get the noxus cards and we definitely wanted to talk about those so we delayed and decided to do two episodes this week and so this is 11 part two where we're going to be looking at the frail yord the uh, the Shadow Isles and the Noxus cards that have been revealed so far. And um, and there's some pretty cool cards and two new keywords that have come out that we're going to be talking about, which makes for three new keywords that are going to be added to the game with the expansion. Just as a reminder for everyone, as of right now, when you'll be listening to this, it will be the 19th, which puts us just under 10 days away from the release of the new set, which we honestly, we don't even have a name for the new set yet, do we? Um, no. no. I guess it'll just be Bilgewater something or other. That, yeah, that's probably the case, but we don't... We Unless, don't... I mean, they may not, for all I know, they may not want to put a name on the set, you know, because it might give the indication that they're, like, selling packs or something. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of expect to get some information on what it is once they... I mean, they haven't released any cards yet from whatever the new faction is. They've kept that intentionally pretty secretive, despite the fact that we all mm -hmm. know it's Bilgewater. But yeah, I mean, we, we have leaks that indicate that that's what it is. But yeah, they're still kind of keeping under the hat, which I find a little odd considering like, um, well, you know, here's the thing. Actually, if I'm thinking about this, maybe they're not releasing. Is this crazy? Maybe they're not releasing Bilgewater stuff. They're just going to release all of the new champions for the factions we already have on the 28th for the launch. Well, they said that we were getting a new expansion with a new region and new champions for each existing region. Did they like did so like they definitely said that we're getting the new stuff at the same time? I don't know, you know if they I mean? gave us exact timing, but it they, just seems weird that they wouldn't give like a like a trailer, you know? It seems strange to me because it's so close, right? Like even as of mm -hmm. we're recording this, we're less than two weeks away from the release and we don't even have a name a logo anything for the new set of cards and i i realize that they're releasing information about you know 
new champs and stuff that are going to come out for existing regions. And they're doing mm-hmm. sort of like, I, I think one of the things, because they've been doing these spotlight videos, right? Which of champions yeah. that are already in the game. And I think they're doing that to kind of promote, maybe what they're they're doing is they're they're going to the community at large and basically saying like, there's a lot of people who haven't played this game yet. Here are the, maybe they're doing kind of like advertisement and marketing for the existing regions for a lot of people who have not been able to pick up the game at all yet. Yeah. And so they're, they're kind of considering this all advertisement for the launch, but it still is weird to me that we didn't like, it would have made sense if they had said, we're going, here's the Bilgewater expansion. Here's the logo. Here's the promo begin exploring it and see if you can figure out what champions are going to be in it without giving us any real information. And then, yeah, just like a title. Yeah. Yeah. And then over the weeks leading up to it, right. You release all of these different other stuff from the existing factions and highlight them. And then the week of release, you just start unloading the cards from the new region, Mm -hmm. but they haven't done that, which is weird to me. Well, I will say there's something going to be interesting in like kind of uncharted territory and like digital CCGs with regards to um, what, we talked, we touched on this briefly, but like what um, a new set is going to look like both in, you know, what it's going to feel like on launch day, you know, which I think we're going to talk about next week a little bit, but um, also just talking about like marketing for a new set, because like, you're not going to go in and buy, like, are they going to, are they going to like tag every card? Oh, this was, you know how like Hearthstone would have the little tag. Okay. This came from this set. And these sets are rotating. You know what I mean? Like, are they, is there, are they even going to tag like core sets and non-core sets? Because really it doesn't matter what set it comes in because you're only going to get it from like random, you know, chest drops mm-hmm. and completing faction quests and then getting your, um, you know, crafting with your wild cards. So really there's nothing to d- delineate. Like there's, there's not going to be, oh, well, here's, you can choose to get a diamond bilgewater chest and your thing, which will only give you bilgewater cards. No, it's just going to get added to the pool. I think at least as far as we know. Yeah. That, um, that's so it's going to be, it, yeah, it's going to be like, is there really even a point at delineating what the new, like uh, making a title for the new set? Is there really a point? Well, that's interesting. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because before, you know, you would have, you know, whatever, like, uh, if you're talking about Tessel, you know, you have Morrowind. Well, that makes sense because you can go buy Morrowind packs that have Morrowind cards in them. But this, mm-hmm. all that you're going to have is a Bilgewater experience line, the same as you have an experience line for every other faction. And then you're going to get Bilgewater cards in general chests that you get at each week when it comes out, um, whenever you get your, you know, your your vault week, your vault day on Tuesday. Yeah. So maybe there isn't a reason for like big expansion names because you're right. That is unmarked territory because we don't have packs for this. I didn't even really think about that. Like I thought, Oh, for sure. We're going to have, you know, like the announcement, typical announcement of the new expansion, but maybe it's not, maybe they're just saying here, here's the new region, but each expansion doesn't need its name. It's own marketing because it doesn't come with packs. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah, I know it'll be it'll be interesting to see the direction that that takes and how successful it is, you know, because I think that there's something about like that builds hype about, oh, a new set and having the name of the set, Uh a a promotional trailer for the set. Like, I think that's I think that can build a lot of hype, Um, but uh, we'll we'll see how it lands. I will say one thing I've seen a lot of places is how come they don't they're not getting community members to do card reveals. Yeah. 
and which is a pretty and anyone who's not aware or maybe this is your first digital card game a lot of um digital card games and even some real card games will give you know when they're doing the reveal season of oh this is going to be a card they'll give those a specific card to streamers content creators magazines podcasts uh yes um (laughs) and uh, allow them to kind of share in the hype of the new set uh, it's really good for the community, and I think people get really excited about it. Brings people and introduces people to new community members. So why didn't they do that? Uh, I think a lot of people have kind of been grumpy about that. I, the more I thought about it, I'm actually really glad they didn't do that. I'm really glad that they didn't try to hand out card reveals because I think that there's something about the first wave of, you know, uh, a game like the first even year of a game where. I would not have been super happy to see a company start at least perceivably, even if they're not trying to playing favorites Mm -hmm. and giving some people cards and not giving other people cards. I think that would turn the community off. I think it would make it a little bit more of a toxic place within the content creator, uh, you know, sphere. I mean, there was a, there was a month that even though I was a tournament caster and, and, you know, not like big streamer, but like fairly, consistent streamer who pulled a, a decent audience uh i didn't i didn't get a card reveal for tesla one of the sets and i was really bummed out about it sure you know um you know and i tried to not be bitter but you know there were other people who didn't that were very vocally upset about it so the more i thought about it, the more i'm really glad they didn't do that for this set now in the future i think it's something they should look into but uh just to kind of like you know kind of i guess comment on this discussion about why you know why didn't they do that i just think there's there's something to be said for okay we're not going to anoint which content creators matter which is basically what giving a card reveal says sure you know um so i i'm i'm glad they didn't do that just a small off topic sidetrack yeah i think it i think it's interesting that they didn't do it and the other thing is like i just think that Right. Riot is a different beast. They are they have a different way of doing things and they clearly mm-hmm. have a battle plan. Not doing uh, community card reveals was not an oversight. It was a strategic decision that was made in some room, some meeting, some conference call at some point where they said, <laughs> OK, do we really want to do this? It wasn't like, a, oh, man, we forgot to do this. Um, it's not laziness or a lack of care for the community. They obviously saw something that Hearthstone and other card games have done with community reveals that created something that they didn't like and didn't want part of their brand. And so they are protecting not just Legends of Runeterra in that community. They're also protecting the brand of Riot. And I think that they have you, you just have to realize that we're dealing with a very different creature when you're dealing with riot in comparison to even dealing with bethesda or dealing with a lot of other smaller independent publishers who are making card games right now riot is an entirely different beast and there are there are different layers of decision making that's going to happen within their organization that doesn't happen with other card games um and i think that that's an important thing just to notice in everything that we do with this game that riot has a different amount of money they have a different amount of staff they have a different amount of resources and they have a very different structure and they're going to just do things differently in the card space, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think it nah, differentiates uh, LOR and I think it needs that. So that's a good thing for, I think, yeah. the game and the community. Um, let's look at the cards that did come out, though. So we have three factions. We have Frailyord, we have Shadow Isles, we have Noxus, and we're going to look at Frailyord first. So let me yeah, hit the, and- go ahead. 
Well, and for those who uh, aren't aware, just tuning in for the first time, uh, we did cover the Demacia cards on the episode 10. Yes. Uh, where we had Laser Edition on, uh, and we talked about the Demacia cards. And I think that that was one that I think we, upon re-listening to it, which I, I do re-listen to our episodes, kind of see where we can improve and what you know was interesting to me. Um, but I, I kind of re-listened to that discussion. I think there's a lot of really cool information and really just interesting hypothesis regarding the scout keyword which as of yet is still the thing that i am least confident on how it's gonna land so if you haven't checked that out yet definitely check out episode 10 uh when we talk about the demacia cards and the scout keyword let's do this so let's go over some of these cards and also the keyword so I'll just give the name of the cards first and then we'll go through them. So we're going to, we have Sinjuani is the new champion for failure, which I'm personally super thrilled about. And we'll craft three of them on release. Um, Ruthless <laughs> Raider, Ember Maiden, Stormclaw, or Ursine, Ursine, and then Fury of the North is the spell that goes along with Sinjuani. And we got a new keyword, which I'll go over. And then DBN, I'll let you go over what Sinjuani is and we'll talk about her. Um, the new keyword is called vulnerable. It says the enemy can challenge this unit, forcing it to block. So this is a negative sort of debuff that you are going to give to your opponent's creatures. That's kind of the opposite of challenger. In fact, it has the same symbol as challenger, but instead of being orange, the symbol is purple, which is interesting because they're going with a consistent theme. Frostbite is also a purple icon because it does something negative to your opponent's uh, bench right so basically what challenger does is it says you or that what vulnerable does is it gives the it gives challenger to your entire board in regards to that particular creature so now everything on my board is capable of challenging that one creature on my opponent's board which is very very interesting and i think it's a really cool take on challenger I really like the mechanic, but DBN, why don't you go over Sinjuani for us and let us know kind of what she does um, pre-level and post-level and what that looks like. Yeah, sure. I do want to uh, actually kind of point out the vulnerable symbol. It's actually like an upside down uh, challenger challenger hook. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but yeah, it's like an upside down one, which is cool because that's basically what it is. Yes. Um, yeah, so Sejuani, uh, Sejuani, I don't know exactly how to say it, but it right. uh, it's a Sejuani, like Sejuani. Sejuani, yeah, okay. that's it. Sejuani uh, is a six mana Frailyord champion with Overwhelm, five attack, six defense, and Overwhelm. Did I say Overwhelm? I think I did. Yes. Uh, play, give an enemy Frostbite and Vulnerable this round. Wow. Wow. Uh, level up when you have damaged the enemy Noxus uh, Nexus yeah. ha, Noxus is a faction yeah. when you have damaged the enemy Nexus in five different rounds of this game it will level up now notably uh, upon looking at that it does indicate to me that this is going to be another champion that will level up in your deck because it doesn't have to see you damage the enemy Nexus in five different rounds of this game yeah absolutely um, so that that's one of the things I really prefer the champions that level up in your deck um, I think it makes it a little bit more interesting and also flavorful that their forces are preparing the way for the champion. Yes. Um, and then our leveled up uh, version of Sejuani, uh, still overwhelmed, still six mana, but this time it gets evolved to a six, seven stat line. So plus one on both fronts. Play, 
Give an enemy frostbite and vulnerable this round, same as before. But then you have the text, the first time I see you damage the enemy nexus each round, frostbite all enemies. All. All enemies. All. <laughs> Bonkers. Yeah. Wow. Bonkers. It, it, it Sejuani seems really strong to me. Dude, just a just a five six for six. So an overstated minion with overwhelm that gives frostbite invulnerable whenever it's played. If this was not a champion that did not get leveled up, I would guarantee play this character, this card. Yeah, I would play base Sejuani without the ability to level up. Absolutely. I guess six mana six five isn't technically overstated, or five six no, isn't technically not. overstated. But um, certainly the leveled up version, a six mana six seven, is certainly overstated. Well, you'll note, interestingly, like unlike uh, the Elder Scrolls Legends and even like Hearthstone, um, the scaling of stats isn't a one for one thing like in other games. Like you'll find a lot of higher cost minions uh, still have lower stat distributions. Mm -hmm. um, so like it, the, the curve kind of uh, tapers off the higher in the mana you go. So like if I because after a certain point, like a ridiculously high stat line is not as important. Um and so, like, you'll note, like, a card, like, a, like Rekindler. You know, Rekindler yeah. is seven mana, but it's it's got a small stat block. Um, you know, the same with some of the, ch you know, champions, unless the point of their stat block, it, the point of their card is to be a big stat block, and then they typically don't have as many effects. So, like, I, th I don't think stats matter as much after a certain point. After you get to about, like, five defense or so, and, you know, the, you know five, five or so, like, the effects matter much more than anything else. Uh, and Sejuani being able to basically say, hey, any card that you have, I'm going to get a free attack on it with any card I have, and you're not going to deal your damage back. Like, it's it's very, it's both controlling, but it's, it's you know, fairly proactive, too. Like, you're getting a very strong body on the board that you can kind of bully with. You can either allow Sejuani to go and grab that creature and try to kill them with her five attack, or you can send a chump to get that big blocker out of the way, force the the big guy to block you know your yep. your chump so that Sejuani can get more damage in on the face. Like said, this is so good. Or you could give vulnerable to their one one spider and frostbite it, and then attack it with Sedge to get four damage through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it. Yeah, it's very. There's a lot of versatility with it. Yeah, this card can be played. I can see this card being played mid-range. I can see it being played in control. Probably not aggro, but I mean, still mm -hmm. just a good overall card. Yeah. Um, I can see it being paired with a number of different factions and champions. Well, I was just like, thinking, we're right, gonna so the two factions that I thought about automatically were, mm -hmm. um, they were uh, Noxus and they were... Mm -hmm. um, uh, there are Demacia. So you pair this with the scout cards in Demacia because you can get your first attack in. And if your opponent does not block and Sedge is on the board leveled up, you get to not only get a second round of attacking in, but you also get to frostbite their entire board. So it forces your opponent to make, they have to interact with your scout minions. Otherwise mm -hmm. don't, if you're running, um, if you're running Noxus, you throw down like uh, any one of your minions that deals damage before they attack. Then you attack with everything. It throws, let's say, one or two damage to your enemy Nexus. Sedge 
frostbite the entire enemy line after they've already assigned their blockers, which is also pretty crazy to me. And you could actually, I don't know if it would happen like this, but you could potentially level up Sejuani and frostbite the entire enemy board at the same time before attack damage and attackers and blockers go out. Um, if that is the fifth time that you're damaging the Nexus with her. So I think that, that she, in conjunctions with maybe a few of like the cards, I don't know how that would work real well, but I, I just think it's an interesting interaction there that some of the cards from Noxus that deal damage when they attack, that damage goes out to the enemy Nexus before attackers and blockers do their thing. So attackers mm -hmm. and blockers are assigned, it swings one or two damage to the face, and then... or your enemy nexus sedge freezes the entire board on your enemy side and now you have free trades the whole way across um which i think is pretty cool yeah i mean i i can see this card being played with um i can see this being played with pnz pnz has got several cards that allow you to deal damage to anything get excited can smash their face mystic shot can smash them in the face you've got yep. boom crew rookie yo I that's think. the card i was actually thinking about this whole time yeah well there, there's a there's also the Sab legion saboteur which mm -hmm. does the same thing but at one man i deal one to the enemy face um but i was also thinking you know what else uh tends to get a lot of good damage in on the face pretty consistently uh is elusives yeah um so i mean i can pretty much guarantee you if you're playing elusives you're going to be getting face damage in by the so that you can have a leveled up sejuani by probably six. by the time by six or maybe maybe not you, you'd have to like tinker it you you wouldn't just probably just run elusive you would want elusive to be able to hit them in the face on your attack token turns um and more often than not you can probably make that happen but then you also want to be able to deal damage um you know to their face when even when you're on defense which is a little bit tougher to do which is why i think noxus is probably the most obvious thing but that's also where you can include things like some of these other cards we have here which i guess we'll, we'll hold off on but yeah i think there's a lot of directions you can go with this it would be interesting to see elusive transition from a you know kind of a aggro slower aggro just you know just ignore the board and go face to a okay my elusives are going to set up a late game strategy that could be could be interesting um, maybe not the best way to play Sejuani, but it could be a Sejuani could be a good way to play elusive strategies, like a a uh, an eight, you know a a payoff card mm -hmm. you know, for elusives. And then as, just as you're starting to lose the board with elusives and they're clearing your stuff with board clears, you can start dropping Sejuani and kind of go from there. Well, keep in mind too, um, you have Sejuani on the board, right? And let's say mm -hmm. you are being oppressed, you're running uh, Frailyord and PNZ. Let's say they, they attack you, all out attack, and you're dead. You have two life left, and they have 25 damage coming at you. You take a Mystic Shot and throw it at the enemy Nexus, and Sinjuani freezes their entire board, and you take no damage. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, well, and that's the thing, too. It's only the first time you see the damage. Uh, it's only the first time that you damage the enemy Nexus. So after you do it, they can keep playing minions and do that. But yeah, no, the ability, the fact that it's not based on timing it does not based on attacking like it, it, you could do it at any time during the round holy crap i i just like i think she's just uh, like insane. leveled up sejuani just feels absolutely ridiculous it's it's good at stalling it's good at cleaning up the board and kind of i mean you're gonna need to have some sort of single target removal to get rid of her like you need vengeance to. you need ruination like i think if sejuani gets 
leveled up like and you're a mid-range kind of board focused deck you just can't win anymore yeah and you run this with shadow isles with uh rekindler i mean mm -hmm. geez a rekindler thresh sinjuani deck where thresh is yanking her out of your hand or your deck and rekindler's bringing her back she's an endgame win strategy well i mean between sinjuani and ash you now have two champs that have freeze or frostbites built in um and that are not hard to use mm -hmm. you know sejuani can frostbite something you can kill it you get benefits you can you can frostbite something and throw your wolf at it you know i yep. mean it's just flexible enough to be able to yeah just bully off of that base effect um that base play effect is absolutely ridiculous and it makes some other champions feel a lot less impactful i mean this this it to me and maybe i'm overhyping it but the base power of this champion feels like it would be good enough for a leveled up version of another champion i mean compare this to like trendemir compare this to like thresh some of these champions they just their base version just isn't Okay, Trindamir maybe not a great example. Trindamir like is just damage. But I mean, sure. even like Darius. Look at Darius. In comparison like, to this card. In comparison to Sejuani, <laughs> I would play Sejuani every single time over Darius. Sejuani sure. has overwhelm as well, right? The stats are not that far off. The stats are and better than Darius's, aren't they? He's a six four. This is a five six. Uh no, I thought Darius was a six six. Oh, he might be. No, no, no. He definitely has less less health than he does. Um, because I think he becomes like a 10 five when he levels up. I could, I could definitely be wrong about that, but well, um, yeah, I mean, but either way, like compare at the same mana cost. Yeah. Compare Darius six, five, he's the six, five. Okay. So six, Good five flip. compared to five, same six, path. both have overwhelm. He doesn't do anything when he comes down the board and when he levels up, he goes up to 10. Oh, oh, oh boy. Sejuani levels up, goes to a six, seven. So more defense still. And by the way, uh can still have uh a lasting ability every round i mean wow it just feels like a, a touch of, of power creep but maybe they wanted frailyord to have something that wasn't just like kind of slower controlly maybe this i mean this is definitely a way to play a mid-range strat oh yeah um oh this is the first card that i'm playing this card's getting crafted it's going mm -hmm. in an ash deck and that's what i'm starting with it feels like the most obviously strong by itself now is it's is the package revolving around damaging the Nexus in different rounds? Is that package strong? I'm not sure. I, I don't actually think so. But in a bubble, Sejuani is very, very strong. And even if you just play her at the base, you know, base copy, you'll still damage the enemy Nexus throughout the game. Eventually, she'll get leveled up just by regular play. Uh, one and, and and two, I just I find myself looking at this and saying wow this would just make five different decks better i think it is a really yeah i think i think it's just a really strong card but in terms of power creep let me move on to the next card which is our ruthless raider which i think is straight up power creep in my opinion which is a two mana three one common card which doesn't sound unbelievable two mana three one is still is good but here's the thing it has overwhelm and toughness so it is a three one that does not die to one damage pings and it has overwhelm which we've already known is a very strong keyword in this game two mana three one this thing blocks 
fearsome creatures. This thing does not die to uh, cards like the one that does one and summons a 1-1 spider. This thing you can't just throw a chump blocker at, a 1-1 chump blocker. Um, I think this card, it, and it has really cool artwork, right? Just like this yeah, really incredible BA chick. And, and to be honest with you, she has the same haircut that my character in uh, Elder Scrolls Online has. So uh, <laughs> I just dig it, right? Like I dig everything about this card. Um, it's my favorite artwork of the set so far, for sure. And I think it's just really freaking strong. If Fearsome ever comes back, this card is going to be a contender to play in every failure deck against Fearsome decks because it's not super easy to get a three attack minion on turn two right now. And this is not just a three attack minion on turn two. This is a three attack minion with toughness and overwhelm. I don't know. I just think it's straight up power creep. Maybe not power creep, only in that it's in Freljord. I think if it was in any other faction, I would agree. But Freljord is the only faction that doesn't see a ton of play in aggro, right? Sure. Um, so we see Shadow Isles aggro. We see Ionia, PNZ, Noxus, maybe not Demacia, but you do see like, you know, some kind of slower elites kind of win the board. Uh, aggro so i i think that what we're seeing here is them trying to give you an incentive to playing uh frail yard in an aggressive deck where before the only incentive really was the omen hawks and so you'd see like the uh allegiance decks run omen hawks but then like like the ionia frail yard one was basically an ionia allegiance uh elusive build that would throw in um omen hawks for the buffing yeah right so now this there's a much more like um I think there's a lot more incentive because a lot of the uh this along with Starlet Seer, I think actually at, at a two mana two three, this kind of has now fleshed out the two cost uh Freljord slot to be much more competitive. Uh so I, I think what what we're what this is is hey, we want to give you a reason to play Freljord in an, in an aggro deck. In an aggressive strategy. Well, exactly. And I think that's fine because there's not really much else in that slot that that's doing that job. And so like I would totally agree. But I mean like Curse Keeper, Ruthless Raider, like I mean there are other two drops kind of on that on par with Ruthless Raider in terms of overall strength. Um but I mean this is a very easy to play card and I think that's the appeal of it. It just does what it does. It comes down and it lives through Vile Feast, which is yes. as we all know kind of a major thing right now yeah i mean you have to but, you have to if your, your two drop doesn't live through vile a one attack minion has to live through vile feast right now it just has to uh, or yeah. a one a one health minion um and this yeah. does i mean geez oh man i i don't know i think this very card good. is no you're totally right it's strong. a very strong card i think it's super yeah, it strong and i'll definitely be playing it in my mid-range deck because here's the thing this thing also has overwhelm so when i'm playing it in conjunction with sinjuani the chances are you may clear this thing with your tutu but i'm still going to get a damage through to your face that round which is going to be leveling up my sinjuani um so it, it works the overwhelm mechanic works really well with sinjuani um in this card. yeah this, and also like it won't die to a spider blocker mm -hmm. it won't die it's to important. whispering whale which we've even been seeing play yep um so yeah no this is i think this is a very calculated move from the dev saying okay we're we're gonna we're gonna throw this two drop in we're not seeing failure being used aggressively at least not very successfully um this also kind of does help the 
combination of Freljord and Noxus for like the self damage effects because mm-hmm. this thing's got tough. Um, so yeah, I just think it's I think it's what I love about and I'm gonna touch on this and I'll I'll just I'll say it now so I don't have to say it later. I'll just reference this. But I think that there's a lot of finesse going on here with the devs designing cards in factions that are meant to be paired with other factions, obviously. And I think that's really, really cool uh, to see that. And I think yeah. it's more apparent in some of the other cards we're going to see here. Uh, but yeah, I, I absolutely adore. Uh, yeah, this card and a couple others. And I just I think that's a great way to think about it is that like, hey, we want every faction to have a reason to pair with every other faction. And I think that's great. Yeah. Why don't you give us the next card here, the Ember Maiden? Yes, yeah, so we got. Yeah, we've got Ember Maiden, which I think is a really interesting card overall. I I love uh, the art because her mohawk is singeing. Yes. Um, it's a it's a three mana three two, uh, round start deal one to everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really neat. Deal one to everything, including herself. Yep. Um, so enemy Noxus or Nexus, I keep saying that Noxus, Nexus, enemy Nexus, mm-hmm. uh, which by the way, levels up Sejuani clears their everyone's spiders. Yep. Uh, it'll deal one to your own Nexus, not Noxus, Nexus and one to itself and all of your other creatures. By the way, Ruthless Waiter, that tough is going to come in real handy when paired with Ember Maiden. Yep. Because she's not going to uh, die from it. Not going to die from it. Clear synergy being designed there. Um, I, I don't know if there's like a ton to say about this card. Yeah, I don't know either. But what's cool about it is that this is going to be a really great card to use the um, the three mana frail yard card that buffs a damaged unit, which I'm blanking on. Brahms, take yeah. heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think take heart is going to be, this is going to go great in take heart decks. Uh, I think it's just... Um, it's it's a card that will enable take heart on your Brom before you attack with Brom. It's gonna you can take heart this guy to make sure that you can keep whirlwinding things every single turn for another three turns. Uh so I yeah, I, I think Ember Maiden is a really cool card. It's clearly heavily synergistic. It's not super great on its own, Mm-mm. but it also happens to answer one of the most popular uh archetypes in Shadow Isles very oh, naturally. Yeah. <laughs> It does answer. Huh? T- it does answer Timo as well. <laughs> yeah, it answers Timo. That's great. Yeah. We're we are all happy to, when Timo dies, or very unhappy depending on who you are. Yeah, it's you're very usually polarizing. one or the other. Yeah, I think it's intended to be because from what I understand, and I don't play uh, League of Legends very much, but from what I understand, Timo is really polarizing there. So they congratulations, they've successfully carried that over. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on to the next one, which is another card that I personally think is incredibly powerful, a Stormclaw Ursine. This is a, a five mana. It does not have a gemstone in this picture, so I actually have no clue what its rarity is. It is a I think fi- it's going to be an epic. I think so, too. It is a five mana six, six with overwhelm that reads other allies with five power have overwhelm. So, for example, you're going to play Ash on turn four and get a 5-3. Then you're going to play this on turn five and get a 6-6 six, six that now gives Ash overwhelm. And then on turn six, you're going to place a 20. Curve, 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 curve. Beautiful, beautiful curve for my new Ash Sichuani Freljord mid-range deck. Um, I think this card is strong. It's very clearly overstated. Once again, has super cool artwork. And just a net two positive abilities. 6-6 six, six with Overwhelm plus powering up your others. This is just overstatted, 
over keyworded, over abilityed, just I think strong. Will it be strong enough to compete with other five drops in Frailyord? I don't know because you're competing with a five mana five five that buffs your entire deck. The five the five drop spot is where four five six drop spot is where Frailyord really hits its stride. It, that is its big power turns where you're playing powerfully statted minions very efficiently that are also doing something else to empower your future turns. So will this see, and I play a lot of Frailyord. That's probably my most played class right now or region. So mm -hmm. will this compete in that? It definitely is going to have to compete in an aggressive strategy. If you're playing a mid-range that wants to go, that can go late, I don't think this sees play. If you're playing a mid-range that wants to take aggression early, this card stands the chance to say, if you don't take care of this, I'm going to destroy you with it. If you do take care of this, I'm going to destroy you with Sinjuani. So uh, I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's a really strong card. Can I interest you in a uh, in a hypothetical scenario? Absolutely. I love hypothetical scenarios. So you're playing Frailyard. You play an Omen Hawk on one. You play a Ruthless Raider on two. You play the newly buffed Avaros and Trapper on three to put a Enraged Yeti in the top three cards of your deck. On four, you either play Ash or you play the Avaros and Outriders, which grants the top unit in your deck plus three, plus three, and Overwhelm if you have Allegiance. Which you will, because you're going to be playing almost exclusively Frailyord. Yeah. Uh, about that time, you're going to be drawing uh, one of your Enraged Yetis. <laughs> yep. Or your Stormclaw. Uh, or your Stormclaw. And by the way, you know maybe one of those has even gotten buffed uh, and, um, yeah, now you've got Stormclaw Ursine, and that's all overstatted, very strong abilities, you know, you know, cards, some of them with Overwhelm, and you haven't even talked about if you find Ash or Sejuani. Yep. There's just a lot more curve-out options, both between the buffs, uh, that came out this last week, uh, as well as some of these uh, new cards coming out that I think they really, I think this indicates that they want Frailyard to have more interest in controlling, uh, or in, in dominating the board, not necessarily controlling the board, but playing for winning the board with units on their side. Mm -hmm. um, I think we've seen Frailyard in a lot of control strats. Um, and I think they're like, okay, we like that, but we want to see some of these you know, lower-cost minions actually getting played. Because as you scroll through a lot of the lower-cost minions, a lot of them just don't see play mm -hmm. because they're not needed. They're, you know, so they're giving, you, they're giving us more, um, you know, trying to sell us on some of these lower-costed Frailyard cards, which I think is a, a really great philosophy here. Um, I also just happen to think that I'm excited for the Ursine Stormclaw to give my 12-attack... My twelve attack Scarthane Stefan, um, overwhelm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I just like it. Like I like it. I like what they're doing. Yep. And as someone who's already been playing predominantly mid range Frailyard, this is just literally handing me three very clear tools plus one in a moment that we're going to talk about that I dig and I love. But why don't you tell us about the last card from Frailyard? Yeah, the last the last card is uh, Fury of the North. Um, which is a spell that is the Sejuani spell. And, you know, I just got to be honest, this thing seems kind of busted. Oh my gosh, yes, uh, please, come on. So it's a burst spell, which is the part that I hate about it, by the way. Uh, give an ally plus four, plus four 
this round. For four um, mana. For four mana, give an ally plus four plus four this round. So let's do a really quick point of comparison. I'm going to pop over to Ionia real fast. Yep. Uh, and we're just going to take a quick look at Twin Disciplines. Here, yep. Okay. Twin Disciplines is a burst spell for three mana in Ionia. Give an ally plus three attack or plus three defense for this round. Mm-hmm. Now, for just one more mana, you can have both, and I'll throw in an additional plus one, plus one for the trouble. Yup. Good lord. Yup. You know where this is super scary? Everywhere. Everywhere, but do you know where it's most scary? No. It's most scary in Freljord Ionia Elusives. It's Ugh. terrifying in that deck. Yeah, this no, is, that's really dumb. This is really strong for Freljord, and I like that. It, I I love it because I like Freljord. But you know what? I don't like elusives. And do you know what was super strong in elusives? A three mana plus three plus zero, or a three mana plus zero plus three. Do you know what's insane in elusives? Is you can do that, and now you can also give it plus four plus four. Well, it's it's basically deal four to the enemy nexus if you're playing elusives. It's or it's you were going to try to beat me, and you were going to try to get rid of my my life blade or whatever, the the choo-choo that heals for two, and you were going to, because before it was like, okay, if I target this with get excited, it's going to remove it, and they might give it plus three health, but they're at least not going to also boost its attack this round, so they have to, because they were going to deal five and heal five, now they're going to deal two and heal two, it's worth it. Now you're going to target it with it, and it's going to say, not only can you not kill it because I gave it plus four, plus four, but now I'm going to heal an additional four as well. Yeah. It's just... Very, very disgusting. Jeez, right? And because it's burst, it needs to... Like, I would have been totally cool with this card if it was fast, not burst, because, burst. you know, the, uh, the, the twin disciplines is burst, and that's worth the mana. You know what I mean? To have one or the other, but it's burst. But now, now this just... Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, um... Yeah, this concerns me. I'm or if it said that. give it give a an ally, what is it? A, a contested ally, whatever the word is for an ally that's a battling, fighting some a, a battling creature. ally. Battling ally plus four plus four. I would have loved that. I would have said, yes, that's what the, I want this to do. I want this to, you know, be angry and cut down the enemy, you know? Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just I'm calling it let's this move card. On. This card gets adjusted. This card this gets card, adjusted. Yeah. I'm like, calling that's it. gonna see a nerf. I think Sejuani might 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 see. Yeah, she might do, but I think Fury of the North has to see one. Maybe hopefully yeah. they adjust it before they release it because it's really strong. <laughs> it's very. Well, let's very let's strong. get over to let's okay, get over to let's, Shadow Isles, which I think on. has like the most interesting because it's the most different approach. Uh, what? Uh, the the Shadow Isles. Shadow Isles. Yeah, I don't like it, but it it, it is interesting. So let me talk, and then you can go ahead and you want to give us the champ again. Um, yeah, you do your thing. Sure. The new keyword. So real quick, we got um, Mauk. Mauk. I always forget how to pronounce his name. The tree. He got the tree from Legends um, or from uh, LOL. We got Sap Magic, which is the new spell that matches with him. We got the Thorny Toad, the Dread, uh, the Dead Bloom Wanderer. And we got the Overgrown Snap Vine. So lots of tree things for Shadow Isles. And we have a new mechanic, um, a new keyword called Toss, which Toss obliterates X non-champion cards from the bottom of your deck. So it pulls cards if it's a Toss 1 or Toss 2 or Toss 6. It is going to pull cards off the top of your, the bottom of your deck and burn them, but they will not burn champion cards, which is 
an important thing to note because this does give you, if you're playing a synergy that wants to just find champions and combo off with a specific champion to win in a round, you can use toss cards to thin your deck to get to your champions. Um, although you're not technically getting them to getting to them faster because you're thinning from the bottom of your deck, but you are still thinning your deck. Um, I think it's interesting that they chose the bottom instead of the top, but why don't you tell me your thoughts on toss and also go over our new champion, uh, DBN? Yeah, so I think toss is just simply, um, it kind of puts a clock on your strategy, uh, but it also thins the deck towards your champions, which is good. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's, I think it's what we're seeing here with this whole package of Shadow Isles is the devs saying, okay, Shadow Isles is probably the strongest faction still. Um, we don't want to give them the, anything that pushes the strategies they already have, right? We want to give them something different that hopefully won't unintentionally buff their other decks, which we don't feel need buffs. Um, and so we have something totally weird and different, which is this idea of burning your own deck uh, in order to work towards a what effectively is kind of like a stall combo-y win condition with their champion. Toss is kind of it, it's not gonna matter. Like you can you can use you can allow the toss to happen in a non-Maokai deck. I'm just gonna say Maokai, but I don't know how to actually sure. say it. That's I think that's um, actually the next the correct pronouncement. All right. Well, I'm going to keep with it then. Um, but like you can use these toss of uh, cards, like the cards that have toss as a, as a cost. And it's, you're not going to really perceive that cost um, in most games. That, 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 that cost won't be felt at any point. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I will say, I don't think any of these cards that toss are particularly strong. Mm -mm. Um and that or at least they're not going to be particularly strong in the decks that we know of already. Like, I think I can see them being played in other decks that maybe aren't good yet um, that need, you know, for instance, lifesteal. And there's a couple cards that heal. There's a lot of healing in this, which I think is really neat. Um, it's kind of established Shadow Isles as the predominant healing faction. Sure. Um, but, uh, but the point here is it's a, all the cards seem to work towards playing Maokai with the exception of one. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about that one because I think it's actually secretly one of the most interesting cards in the set. Um, so, okay, Maokai. Uh, it is a four mana, one, four. Very weak stats for four. Very. The first time you play another ally each round, play mm -hmm. uh, another ally each round, toss two, which would mean discard the, or obliterate the the bottom two cards. So that that notably does not synergize with like Callista pulling back dead creatures yeah absolutely because they're gone they're um, and that's very intentional that's clearly very intentional um toss two and summon a sapling now the sapling is a one mana two one ephemeral with challenger which is pretty darn good that the absolutely. saplings are good saplings are great um and then you level up when your units have died uh or your cards have been tossed 25 times this game so once a total of 25 units and uh, tossed cards uh, have been thrown, we get the leveled up Maokai. And the leveled up Maokai is a four mana two four with regeneration. It's a two five. Two when, five. Or excuse me, two five, excuse me. When I level up, obliterate the enemy deck 
leaving four non-champions. Yup. And on every round start, you'll summon a sapling. Yup. It's deck destruction. Yup. Well, here's the yeah. thing. I like this card. I think it's super cool. I think it's really creative. I don't even necessarily mind the toss mechanic. It. I have a natural affinity in a in a hatred for deck destruction. I just do. I just I hate it. I'm. I don't. I hate. I have hated other deck destruction. I think more than I hate this. Um. But if you're playing a control deck that is running this card and you're struggling to get rid of this one four that every round is maybe if you play two creatures, you're summoning two saplings that are both going to die at the end of the round and you're tossing four cards. So every time that he's up that you play two creatures, you are putting five towards his ability and you're getting these little challenger ephemerals, which is super strong. Then you're going to get a two five with regeneration. So you can't just, ping him down and he's going to obliterate your entire deck except for four non-champions which is very important to note that you're not you're going to get rid of your if your opponent is a win strategy that says I'm going to play champions to win the game they're not going to be able to do that now because you're going to obliterate their deck and this thing levels up in your deck so you're Mm -hmm. shredding your deck leveling up leaving these things in there and then they level up while stuck in your deck. You draw them for four mana. You obliterate your opponent and say, and I believe in this game, if you can't draw a card, you lose. Well, yeah. So you're, you're I don't, basically saying I don't your know opponent that. win in four turns. What I'm not sure about is, do you have to play Maokai in order for his leveled up ability to obliterate their deck? Or will, if he levels up in your deck oh. or in your hand, will it obliterate their, their deck? Like, does he actually have to see the board? And the other to get question, the obliterate off. The other question is, it's not a playability. So, does he have to be on the board when it goes off? Like, yeah, that's what I. Yeah. Well, because there's there's two things, right? So there's one that says that this could play out this way: that as he's in your deck, as soon as he levels up, he obliterates your opponent's deck, no matter where he is. There's another one that says that you have him in your hand, leveled up, and you have to play him in order to obliterate your opponent's deck. And there's the third, which makes him the worst, which says that the only way he obliterates your opponent's deck is if he is on the board when you level up. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't think that'll be that one, though. I think that would be too finicky. Like, I don't think people would like that. Um, so I, I doubt it'll be that one. Uh, I I kind of hope he has to see the board for it to work. Like, he'll level up and then you still have to play him. But the wording does not suggest that. Um so yeah, we'll we'll see. You know what this is though. What I I don't you know how I feel about hand and deck destruction. By the way, hate it. Uh, I I thoroughly hate. However, this isn't actually this isn't deck destruction as a strategy. This is deck destruction as a win condition, and that that's very different um, compared to something like um, remember cast into time, which was an Elder Scrolls card. The original version of it was target an enemy creature, remove it from the game, and all copies from their opponent's deck. Uh, and that was absolutely awful because they just hold that card till you played something that was central to your game plan, and then they just obliterate your game plan and all the other copies of it, you know, um, which sucked. But this is more, you know, what this is much closer to is Fiora, right? Which is, hey, it's an alternate win condition. Mm-hmm. If they're obliterating your deck, you still have a chance to win with what you have on board, but really, 
it's as if Fiora had dueled four things or whatever. It's, sure. it's the, that's the, okay, I win the game now. Um, and also pretty interesting here. And like, maybe people have missed this. This might be putting a clock on some of the really slow, grindy control decks. Now, it'll depend on how quickly you can establish your tosses and stuff like that. Um, but I think that what we might see is Maokai being a tournament counter to um, like War Mother Control and, and some of those really slow, don't play a lot of creatures, wait for your opponent to run out of resources, uh, and eventually just play big things from the deck. If you obliterate their deck, you know, before they can get Warm Mother's Call out and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, I I need to see how fast this can happen. Yeah. But these slower, those slower uh, control decks that just want to grind and grind and grind, maybe this is a natural counter to them. And so, in a in a probably not in a ladder environment, you know, but in a more tournament environment, this would be a an interesting way to to build counters. I can actually especially see a really cool way if legends of runeterra went with a side decking format this would be a fascinating uh side deck kind of uh deck switch yeah you so could, for like, any people kind of familiar you can like have some of this package already in the deck be running it neither like an ephemeral or like a last breath or a spider package which naturally will have a lot of creatures die which also contributes to malachi's level up yeah and then oh crap i'm playing against a really hard control deck that's giving me a hard time but that's it's slow and grindy time to switch in the sapling strat and just throw all of this stuff that's in your side deck in to idea to basically have a deck switch and a strategy switch you know that would this that would this makes me want it to be side decking you know which i don't think they're gonna do because they need to implement it into the game uh like functionality yeah but i that this would be a really tempting thing to do i can see myself enjoying that sort of you know side decking strategy um that is interesting um let's look at some of these other cards that also get tossed that will synergize with with the champ so three mana sap magic is his spell so if you have um Malkai on the board um, then th this would be the card in your hand if you drew one of him. But it is a three-mana burst spell that's rare, and it is toss three, heal allies three. Um, I don't know that I'm playing this in anything that I'm not trying to toss stuff in. Well, I, I can see this in, like, an Elite's deck. Yeah. Like, theoretically. You know what I mean? Like, or or some similar deck that wants to have sort of beefier allies, and they'll sort of they'll take damage over time. But I mean, if imagine like, imagine a a, a deck where you have a lot of kind of you know higher defensive threats. They they're all sort of start taking damage, um, you know, and you and you know your opponent's going to be looking to make some strategic trades to finish off a lot of the trades that they've started. Playing a sad magic just ends the game. True. Uh, yeah. So like, it, but it requires you to have allies that are worth healing, which right now you, besides your Nexus, which I think heal allies, does that heal the Nexus as well? I don't believe so. I think that would just heal champions and your minions. Okay. Well, the point being, if it heals the Nexus, it's better. Um, I don't think, I think it has to it, say heal everything. Okay. So that would make sense. Your allies yeah. is not no, your you're Nexus. Right, yeah. yeah. So, okay, just healing allies, then it is kind of necessitates you having things that are worth healing. Maokai is probably worth healing. Um, 
but yeah, if you don't have things that are sticking around, which Shadow Isles does not have a lot of, you know, they, they have a lot of things that either die at the end of the turn or, yeah. you know, are cheap and have low cost or last breaths and want to die actively. Um, I, I think this card doesn't immediately fit any Shadow Isles strategies, which is probably the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a couple of cool places where this can go because it is a heal that's burst that says like, okay, my opponent sets up a couple of trades and they throw an arcane shot at something to deal two damage to it so they can now actually trade with it. You know, you can burst this out to heal up your thing after they've already damaged some stuff with maybe, um, with maybe you know, a get excited or an arcane shot or a black spear or something. Mm -hmm. And you can say, okay, I'm just going to burst this to heal away all of that. I think that mostly this card is only going to get played because you have a, a Maokai on the board and you have this another Maokai in your hand. And this came into yeah. play at some point. I don't see myself yeah. putting this in a deck. I mean, I, I can see a niche situation, but it, again, niche. Yeah. It's something that you're going to have to be aware of in, in these decks because you're going to have to be aware. Well, what if they have a second one of these in hand and they're going to sap magic me in order to heal up their board? It's something that you're yeah. going to have to be aware of because this is always an option in a deck that's running more than one Maokai, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, which is actually an interesting situation. I almost wonder, like, if Maokai does uh, a level up and obliterate from the hand or deck, you probably just need to run one. That's true. Yep. Yeah, you could if, if <laughs> which, he. Yeah, that's true. Which makes me think he needs to. He would need to see the board. Yeah, because otherwise but, you just throw one in your deck and partway through the game you obliterate your opponent's deck. Yeah, that would be really dumb. Yep, because eventually twenty five things are gonna die and you just win that way. <laughs> yeah, like ephemerals. Sure. <laughs> like, come on. Just yeah. throw one of these in your ephemeral deck and be like, oh, if I don't beat you with ephemerals, I'm gonna obliterate your deck halfway through the game. Right. I don't think that they'll let that happen. I hope not. Uh, so Thorny Thorny Toad, two mana, one four with last breath, toss two, uh, toss two and heal your nexus by two. Mm -hmm. So I actually rather like this card. Um, it does dilute the pool of last breath cards that you can pull with um, that one mana guy uh, in Shadow Isles who can who will pull a three cost or lower last breath card. Um, but I think that this is a really nice stat block, a two mana one, four, like one, four is a lot better than, than people think. Um, now granted it's a defensive one, four, but it will absorb multiple trades before dying in the early game. It heals you. The toss is less relevant unless you're playing the Maokai strategy, but if you're playing the Maokai strategy, you need to stay alive. So yep. yeah, I think it's, I think this is just a good card for the package. It's an overall okay card. Stall decks probably won't need to play it, but um, yeah, no, I I think this fits right in with everything we've been saying, which is these are cards designed to enable this strategy and not blow other ones out of proportion. Absolutely, I I completely agree with that. Um, I don't really have anything to add about it, so let's go yeah, to uh, we can move on. Yeah, it's gonna be the same thing really for this one because I think that the 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 point is the exact same, right? They're, they're not going to be overstated um, and they're going to enable the strategy that you're trying to do with this specific deck. And that is the uh, Dead Bloom Wanderer, which is a three mana, three, two with lifesteal that reads when I'm summoned, toss three. So this stalls the board. It's not overstated. It's going to trade with something a little bit. It's going to heal you a little bit and stall out the game while tossing stuff to level up your strategy to burn, burn their deck to the ground. So. Um, I 
think this is very similar to Thorny Toad. It's not overstated. It is a light-handed stall for the game to keep you alive in the early game um, while maybe not taking back the entire board so that you can get your Maokai on the board and burn their deck to pieces. So I think very similar things about this. Yeah, I, I agree, except that I also think we could see this in uh, as a splash card in other uh, aggressive decks that find themselves in the situation where they may need to race. Um, this mm -hmm. is a card that I can see being put in because it has the, even though it's not overstated, the uh, higher point is in attack. So it's mm -hmm. got three attack for three mana. That's fine. Uh, but just the ability to heal up as you're fighting um, I mean, I can see this card being played just purely because it says lifesteal. And by the way, because it's lifesteal and it's not ephemeral, uh, you know, we, we actually don't have a ton of cards with lifesteal printed on them for the record. No. Um, and this is one more card in that pool. And, you know, a lifesteal card receiving a big buff, um, you know, especially a buff that sticks around, like, you know, standalone or something like that. Um, we, that's a situation I can see this card being being played in sure i mean there's like a three seven life steal in the late game that sees play from shadow isles right now simply because it has life steal sometimes it can just yeah. stall out and heal you up enough to get to your control element which well and it's possible it's possible that this might replace soul gorger yeah at, in some decks mm -hmm. you know you can get access to it much earlier and it's giving uh, you it's potentially the same amount of healing if you only get one trade out of it exactly yeah i mean soul gorger ideally gets two or even three trades but yeah i mean this will come online quicker i mean this card might be the only card in here that I can see obviously increasing strategies uh, or making control strategies in Shadow Isles stronger and more consistent. This is the only one that I can see that maybe happening. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Why don't you tell us about this last card from Shadow Isles? It's an interesting one. Oh, yeah, this is my favorite one. Uh, it's, it's, in, it's my favorite one from Shadow Isles right now. It's, you know, in the contention for... I'm considering it. I'll need to see what everything else is for favorite card in the set. Um, Overgrown Snapvine. Seven mana, four, three. When you summon a follower, kill it to summon an Overgrown Snapvine. Yep. So you'll summon another one of the same card. Um, I absolutely adore the design on this card. Uh, as a means of facilitating last breath effects uh, and strategies, uh, and also as a means of making uh, spiders translate into the later game more yeah. effectively. Yeah, the first thing I thought about with this card was the five mana summon three spiders, give every spider plus one plus one. So you get towards the end of the game, that's a spell, this is a creature, so you can use your 10 mana plus three spell mana. At the end of the game, play those two cards if you're opponent can't interact you summon uh four four threes yeah pretty darn good mm -hmm. uh and once you have it's kind of like a hydra looking thing but for a vine but once you make another one it's going to be even harder for them to get rid of this effect yep because it's um, keep now going. notably notably it has three defense for seven mana it gets killed by a lot of things blah 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 but i just love i love the I love the design here. I think it's very uh, open-ended for how you can use things to accent this. And and I just, uh, it comes online right away. So if you can play this and then immediately play a one drop, you'll get two snap finds. And then it gets a lot harder to remove the effect because really all that matters is the effect sticks around. You just need one copy, you know, to stick around mm -hmm. to keep summoning more heads of this overgrown snap find. 
Love yeah, it. Yeah, it's a cool thematic card. It's hard to tell how strong it's going to be, but I really like it. Um, and I think yeah, I will like try it. it with some strats that do combo. It reminds me a little bit about the druid, the old school druid that would summon uh, from Hearthstone that would summon three 2-2 two, two treants with charge and then Savage Roar mm -hmm. and deal 14 in a turn or something like that. It reminds me yeah. a little bit of that. Well, so when you summon a follower, kill it to summon Overgrown Snapvine. So if you play this and then you play Hapless Aristocrat, yeah, do you get two. do you get twelve attack stats after the you know you summon the Aristocrat, it dies, it summons a thing that dies, you'll get three Snapvines. Absolutely, that's pretty cool. Yeah, there's some cool combo stuff that can be enabled here, but it's limited within the scope that you're not duplicating a creature that you're playing. It's not open ended. You're only getting four threes. So. Yeah, but you can build an endless board with them, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, um, you want to take us to Noxus because that's our last faction to talk about. This stuff all came out literally just yesterday. Haven't even had a chance to think about them all really thoroughly yet. Yeah, no, this is definitely a thinker too. I I like what we're seeing here in Noxus, but it's one that I'm not exactly sure how it's going to land. Um, but there are cards in here that I'm very sure of where they're going to land. So it, it's a it's a toss up here. So there is no new keyword here. Um, we see new keywords in the other three factions. I'm a touch disappointed to see that Noxus has not gotten a new keyword. Um, we get an additional card. They've got a you said they get an additional card. Yeah, they have an additional card because every other has had three creatures and then a, a champion with a spell that goes with the champion. This we got three creatures, a champion, a spell that goes with the champion and an additional spell. I think that's. Is what the other ones have, is right? that what they have? It looks no. like frail your frail yard has one less card. Yep, so Freljord has the champion, it has the three minions, and then it has Fury of the North. Demacia has the champion, it has three minions. Nope, they have four minions. Oh, you're right. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I lied. I, well, I mean, Freljord uh, has one less, it looks like. Yes. On, and... our, on our diagram here, which maybe we missed one, but I don't so know. Did, so Let's get into yeah, okay, yeah, 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 go ahead. <laughs> uh so no yeah no new keyword but i think this is i think this is maybe one of the most interesting packages that we've received here so the new champion is swain mm -hmm. i don't know anything about him but he seems to do raven like things yeah he he's cool have raven strategies um so swain is a five mana three six with fearsome mm -hmm. um so we're kind of cementing that fearsome strategy in noxus um Nexus Strike. So when you hit their Nexus yep. with Swain, deal three damage to the enemy Nexus. So if not, if Swain is allowed to hit their face, he'll do an extra three. He's six, six. That's pretty cool. Um, level up. When we've done, when we've done 12 non-combat damage this game. So again, I think this is another one of those uh heroes that's gonna level up in your deck. Yep. Um and uh, you have to do 12 non-combat damage this game. Now, it does not, that, just to be clear, because this is how I read it first, I'm sure you guys are smarter than me, uh, it does not say it has to go to the Nexus. It can be on anyone. So oh, when you deal 12 non-combat damage to enemy creatures, um, to yourself, non-combat damage to your own units will count. Interesting. Um, 
So he's not as hard to level up as a lot of people initially thought. Um, you know, if you use this with some of the self-damage strategies, uh, you know, if you play Vlad and swing with three creatures, ping, ping, ping on each of your creatures, and then ping, ping, ping on their face, well, you just leveled up Swain six points. Mm -hmm. um, so is you know the only thing is it doesn't count combat damage, um, which is going to go great with a lot of the other cards. A lot, all the other cards that we've seen previewed go perfectly with Swain. They want to pair with Swain. Uh, and then the leveled up version is very, very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, it turns into a 4-7, so kind of following the average of give them plus one, plus one. Yep. Fearsome. When we deal non-combat damage to the enemy nexus, stun the strongest back row enemy. Back row being non Not fighting. in combat, yep. Not in combat. And then nexus strike, deal three to all enemies. <laughs> they, will never, they will never be able to avoid blocking Swain. They always will have to block Swain once he's leveled up or their board gets completely wiped. So here's what I'm doing. I'm playing Swain and P and Z to be able to control the game, ping some stuff off, level him up, and then give him elusive. Yep. Hitting the enemy nexus for seven and three damage to all of their creatures. Yep. That's what I want to try. Giving that's what him I elusive, yeah. That's pretty good. Right. I mean, there's, I, there's I'm, a I'm lot. Like I, Swain Ezreal. Maybe. I mean, I can see Swain Ezreal. I can see Swain and Vlad just all in on the, the self damage. Self damage. I can see him, you know, going in with like, um, um, Sejuani. Sure. Dealing non combat damage to the enemy Nexus. Well, Sejuani already wants you to be hitting the Nexus. This comes down one turn before Sejuani. Mm hmm. You know? Um, and even the base version of of Swain, although not very strong in attack, it's still got fearsome. It's still got six defense for five. Um, I can also see running um, Swain with Yasuo, um, giving us another champion that can actually stun things. Uh, it's going to be yeah. kind of hard to get him leveled up. But if Yasuo starts, you know, slicing everybody with like an intimidating roar, that's going to get Swain leveled up pretty darn quick. Um, and yep. more importantly, Swain's um, ability swain's uh or not ability but uh hero spell i guess right yep uh is ravenous flock unless i'm mistaken oh, is it ravenous flock or, or is it's... it noxian fervor oh well i've got ravenous flock next to swain but maybe maybe it's noxian for noxian fervor does have swain on it yeah noxian fervor does have swain mm. on it but i think most champion spells are rare nope that champion spells common that champion spells rare so the answer is I have absolutely no idea. I I, I should well, know that. I'll, I'm going to look it up while you talk about it. Either, yeah. So either of these two spells would be fine as a champion spell. It doesn't really matter which because they are controlling uh, spells, both of which go towards what Swain wants to do. Um, so the first is Ravenous Flock. It is a one mana fast spell that deals four damage to a unit if it is damaged or stunned. And this kind of blows my mind a little bit. One, it gives Yasuo the ability to stun things in the early game, or Yasuo deck, the ability to stun things in the early game without Yasuo being there and playing this Ravenous Flock as a two-card combo to be able to kill something and control the board because normally you can stun things, but the bo their board is going to keep snowballing. It's going to keep building. You know, you're not going to be able to remove their stuff by stunning it. All it does is slow the game down. 
But now this ravenous flock will kind of pair with your arachnoid sentries, with your guiles, uh, intimidating roars. It gives you a reason to play those cards uh, without Yasuo chopping them down, uh, which I absolutely love. So there's the Yasuo side of things. But it's still even good because it'll deal four damage to a unit that's already damaged basically helping you finish off trades that your spiders make. Oh, my spider got blocked by their big value card. Well, now for one mana, I'm going to finish that big guy off uh, with the Ravenous Flock. And because it's dealing four units out or four damage outside of combat, that's going to be four points going to Swain as he's working to level up. I think this is a great card for Noxus as a whole. I think it's going to give Noxus the ability to, this combined with the other card we're going to see in a second, this is going to help Noxus sort of uh, have at least a touch of control, which before Noxus just cannot seem to control things particularly well, despite, and I think like the Noxian guillotine and the culling strikes have kind of been underwhelming as control tools. Um, but, but what we see is like Swain is one of these cards that like, I think in the late game, like you're, you're not happy seeing Swain come down. Um and whether we see this kind of be the focal point of a control deck, I think we can now definitely say that there is an option to run a supplementary Noxus package in another control shell. Mm -hmm. So I looked it up, and it does appear from the video that uh, that Ravenous Flock is the card that goes along with Swain, um, whereas Noxian Fervor is its own card. Okay. Because I just saw, well, I saw a Noxian Fervor in hand when Swain was on uh there was like a, a noxian fervor and a swain in hand and so it wasn't two swains and then when it when swain got uh, played the noxian fervor there was no transformation that happened there would have been interaction there um so uh noxian fervor is which i would think it there might not be but i'm, I'm pretty certain that ravenous flock is what goes along noxian fervor is a three mana fast spell it is un uh uncommon and it reads, or common, yeah, common, uncommon, whatever, common, green, yeah. green. It reads, it's fast, it does three damage to an ally unit um, and deal three damage to anything. So this can deal three damage to your own champion or one of your own creatures. It can just kill one off that you want to kill off. Um, and then three damage to anything, which could be used as control, but also let's say you're playing a two mana three one that has last breath deal two damage to the enemy nexus. You attack with it, they let it through, um, and then you play this and sack it to deal three damage to it, three damage to the enemy nexus, and then he deals two damage to the enemy nexus. So now he's effectively done, what, eight damage to the enemy nexus um, through this. So there's definitely and some possibility to use this in a self-harm sort of mid-rangey control shell. You could also use this in a really aggressive strategy. This also gets half you halfway to the Swain level up. Oh, yeah, six damage just in that card alone. Swain, like Swain seems intimidating to get leveled up. He is not if you run the specific cards surrounding it. I, I mean, I Swain is going to be leveled up pretty quick if you build around him. And that's the scary part, but also the really cool part to give Noxus another way to play. Because as someone who initially started with Noxus, because I was very interested in some of the effects and stuff that they had, I was rather disappointed because it felt like there wasn't a lot of great ways to play them. Um, you know, you basically just played aggro in a couple different variations, you know, and it, it didn't outside of Yasuo, but Yasuo is an Ionia guy. So it kind of felt like the cool, you know, Noxus deck I have was really an Ionia deck. Sure. So I'm so excited to see this. I think Swain's the one I'm most excited as a champion to craft. 
um, so of cool all of the champions too. we've seen. He's cool looking. There's going to be a cool strategy surrounding him. All these cards seem to be supporting, giving Noxus another way to play, and I'm so on board with that. Mm-hmm. He is very cool. His leveled up form and, is incredible looking. Oh, it looks so cool. By the way, Noxian Fervor, I just want to address, I think this is going to be the most, I'm just going to, I mean, like, I don't know for sure, but I'm just going to, you know, just put down my vote right now. Noxian Fervor is going to be the most long-lasting, impactful card in this set. It's going to have the long, you know, the furthest reaching effects on the environment of this entire set. That's going to be my bet. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a card that would just become a staple in a lot of Noxian decks. It also pairs with a lot of other strategies. I mean, this goes, I mean, I don't mind playing Noxian Fervor on my Braum to get Braum leveled up faster mm-hmm. to deal three damage or something else. I also don't mind playing this on a spider to kill something. You know, yep. I don't oh, mind yeah. playing this on a last breath unit, you know, or, you know, if my board is getting out of control in a Heimerdinger deck where I, I play, I have a bunch of garbage on my board, my opponent won't kill it. Okay, now I'm going to kill it manually and deal three more damage to something. I mean, I can just see this, you know, being played in so many different strategies. It gives Noxus finally a a consistent damaging tool as opposed to an execute effect. I mean, I, I just mm-hmm. think, yeah, I think this is going to really change the landscape. A lot of Noxian's car- Noxus cards are conditional removal, so it's like you can remove this thing if it has three and less attack. You can remove this thing if it has five or less attack, and you can stun it. You can, um, so there are there's a lot of conditional stuff that your opponent gets the opportunity to play around. Not a lot of just like here's just straight damage, right? And this is giving yeah. the deck straight damage. It's more reach for aggro. It's a good control tool for mid range and control decks. I think it's just a good all around card. And, and it costs something. It's not as crazy as a four mana four plus four plus four burst. So, yeah, that that's because that's why, like, I think that card's going to end up getting maybe we're wrong on it, but I think that card's going to get a get a nerf at some point. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if it doesn't. Um, The next card. Go ahead. Give us give us something because this is a cool card. I like this card a lot. Yeah. Imperial Demolitionist. Another great card art, in my opinion. Mm, yes. Very good um, card art. Two mana, two, three play deal one to an ally unit to deal two to the enemy nexus. Um, really, really great. Gives you a quarter of the way up on Swain because yeah, it's three two. damage on turn two. Um, does a little bit of that burst damage. Goes great with Sejuani. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes great with self-damage effects. And if actually, if you have a Crimson Aristocrat on the board and then you play Imperial Demolitionist targeting the Aristocrat, uh, you'll deal five damage, four to the enemy nexus and one to the Crimson Aristocrat, uh, getting you almost halfway on Swain. I mean, I just, th- th- these things are, and actually, um, there's, yeah, there's just so much that works here together with what Noxus already has with other factions. I mean, this is one of the cards I was going to point out as that elegant design that pairs with so many other things you want to do. This can kill a Cursed Keeper and deal two damage to the enemy Nexus mm-hmm. and summon your your 4-4. I mean, there's it just pairs with so many different things in a really cool way. It works well with the new champion. It synergizes within the faction. I yeah, love this card. And the art really is pretty great. Yeah, it is really good art. I think that one of the like I think for Noxus, right? I'm looking to play the rear guard or whatever, the one mana three two that can't block on turn one. I play that for three damage, swing you on turn two, swap turns, you know, your opponent plays something that can block. Now it's like, oh, okay, you're going to 
clear my 3-2 next round whenever I attack with it. So I'm going to play this 2-3, deal a damage to the 3-2. Now it's a 3-1, but I don't care because you're going to block it anyway. And I'm getting two more damage out of that card. And now I have a 2-3 and a 3-1 on the board going into round three, and I've dealt five damage to your Nexus by turn two. Um, I think that this is allowing you to damage the enemy Nexus on turn two. It, it increases the damage on odd rounds for Na Nox's aggro decks. Um, so I think it finds a home there, and you're right. It finds a home in a lot of different places where it enables some cool strategies that we want to see. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The City Breaker is our next card. This is a four-mana, zero-five uh, rare minion that is called, it says round start, deal one damage to the enemy Nexus. Four-mana, zero-five. I'll be honest with you. I don't like this card. I don't think it's good. I don't think that at four mana you ever want to play a zero five in any noxus deck i think that there is plenty yeah you can you you might you might play devil's advocate here dvn but i don't know i just don't think that i think there's way more effective ways to level up swain than this yeah so here's my thought on city breaker i'm i could be wrong but you'll notice guys i'm usually pretty reluctant to say a card is bad um mm -hmm. i think this is the worst card previewed in the entire set yeah, I think this is just bad. I'm not. I think it's terrible. Um, but you know, because it you can block, <laughs> no one would ever attack it. It would just take up a slot otherwise. But you can block with it. The five defense, maybe that's good enough. I think that for this to be good, it would need to have like six or seven defense for this card to be good. Yeah, and deal two uh, damage but to it the enemy nexus at the beginning of every round. Well, I think one damage is fine, but, you know, uh, or if this was a three drop, a three mana zero five, you can get online faster. We'll, you know, work better with Sejuani. But I mean, really, I think this card is at least in the conversation for worst card in the set so far. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, it's pretty bad, in my opinion. But I mean, yeah. I, hey, if you guys, if you if you have an idea for this card and you think we're wrong, definitely uh, come in the Discord and uh, tell us, us how wrong we are. You send us an email. Uh, was it Legendscast somewhere? It's eslegendscast at gmail.com. And if you can give us a convincing reason why this card is not terrible, uh, or rather, I don't want to hear why it's not terrible. I want to hear why this card is good. If you can tell me why this card is good, uh, we will uh, we'll co put your quote and, and read your argument uh, on the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's bad. <laughs> I think it's bad too. <laughs> I got I got to review or announce the worst card of the set. Um, go ahead, DVN. Why don't you take us to our final card for the show? Yeah, this one is like a the Big Daddy City Breaker, but it's dope. Mm -hmm. Um, the Leviathan, absolutely. Uh, eight mana, five eight, overwhelm. Play draw a Swain. I think this is what makes the card good. Play draw a Swain. Round mm -hmm. start. Deal one to the enemy nexus three times. So if you're paying attention, um, Swain, whenever you deal non-combat damage to the enemy nexus, you stun the strongest back row enemy. So if you have these two down at the same time, on round start, the Leviathan will go one damage to the face. Swain will stun the strongest enemy. Two One more damage to the face, the next strongest. One more damage, and the third strongest. Mm -hmm. Swain will stun three individuals. You'll have done three damage to the enemy nexus. Uh, and now, Swain will be much more likely to be free to deal three damage to everything. Oh, by the way, the Leviathan has an attack stat of its own at five, also Overwhelm. Uh, 
I'm not yeah. saying the Leviathan is strong, but I'm saying it's cool. I'm yeah. saying it's going to work great. Uh, be, it can work as a facilitator for a late game Swain strategy because it will keep you, you know, it will help you draw Swain, which as we know, and as we've established that leveled up Swain is very, very oppressive and they're going to need to respect it. And, and this will help you filter through your deck. You can pick up a second copy if you already have one out, just in case, you know, you need to have another one in case they kill the first one. I just think, like, this is showing that they want Noxus to have a late-game strat. They also really want to support Swain as an archetype, as a facilitator, and I just, yeah, I love this card. I think it's a really cool card. I'd love to see this as a 5-mana 2-5. So that way you could play this on turn 10, right? You can play this, get your Swain and play your Swain, then pass round. Because keep in mind, this is at round start. So this isn't just when you get the attack token. So let's say it's on your opponent's attack token. You pass, your opponent gets to attack. If you have this and a leveled up Swain on the board, this is going to stun your opponent's three most powerful enemies that would be able to attack you. Um, and get rid of them before they can even get a chance to open attack, which is important because these two combined together is a super strong defensive tool in addition to being a very strong aggressive tool um, for late game strategies. I wish that this was less statted because as it stands right now, not only can your opponent respond to it, your opponent can respond to it twice because you're going to play this for eight mana, draw your Swain. Then next round, you're going to have to play your Swain. So your opponent is going to get two rounds of mana and multiple opportunities to respond to this combo, which makes it, I think, a lot weaker and maybe way too expensive. But I actually, I actually don't entirely agree. I think that if you were able to play both of them together, it would be too strong. Well, yeah, um, that, that, like, that very likely could be the case. It could be insanely broken if you could play them together. I, I just want to be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, fair. I can respect that. I will say, though, what I like about this is it's actually, I think, the idea that it says play, draw a Swain, I think is a little bit deceptive. I think this card is a card that you want to play when you already have Swain out earlier in the game. True. Like, you've already played Swain before, and now you drop the Leviathan at the end of their turn. They swing, you know, you defend with a couple things, and then they've played they've spent their mana or whatever now you drop the leviathan you go into your attack token and potentially just end the game um, well, that's true i think yeah. i think yeah i think the best situation for leviathan is not to draw the swain and then play the swain after the leviathan i think it's to play the leviathan when you already have swain down and you basically draw your second or third copy of swain as insurance um, that's that's fair that is fair it, it's less surprise but you're right you can do that kind of like okay at, i waited for my opponent to expend their stuff take their attack now i'm dropping leviathan to say okay at the beginning of next turn like you may get to remove my swain from the board but i'm gonna have another one in my hand so go ahead remove him i'll play my second swain pass turn to you you're on your turn now you've stunned your three most powerful enemies and you can't respond well to it and okay remove you yeah. know you're gonna have to remove a second four seven which a four seven isn't easy to remove period um well and you know a five eight isn't easy to remove oh my gosh either. no this is basically so saying I, ruination or vengeance that's it yeah pretty much and so i i'm 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 looking forward to messing around with it i think it'll be really interesting i think what will be more interesting is to figure out what to pair this with this Swain strategy and in what faction will go best with it. Cause I think there's a lot of candidates. So yeah, I think the yeah. Ionia Yasuo build though, because I already want to experiment with Yasuo. I think, that, <laughs> I think that Swain Leviathan and Yasuo are going into deck. 
Yeah, ravenous flock definitely goes in with Yasuo. I think. Well, yeah, ravenous flock is it's it's so strong. good. It's very strong. very very good. So to, um, to yeah. just to do like the the highest height and the lowest low, we're saying that City Breaker at this point is the worst card, and Fury of the North at this point might be the most broken. Uh, yeah, Fury of the North seems the most broken. Sejuani also seems pretty broken. Yeah. Um. You know, but hey, what do, we won't know until we see all the rest of the stuff. We won't know for yeah. sure until people start messing with it. So I'm just so excited. Yeah, I me think too. I think I think I was the least excited for Noxus uh, previews because I've been kind of unhappy with Noxus's place, um, you know, recently. Like I was originally really liking Noxus and then I kind of moved away from it because I wasn't enjoying it as much. And now I'm really on the Noxus train again. Yeah. And this week we're going to be seeing the Ionia and we're going to be seeing the uh, PNZ. I think it's not at all coincidental that um, those two factions have been two of the most powerful factions in the closed or in the open beta. I think it's not at all coincidental that those are the last two that we are going to see here um, come out uh, and reveal stuff. They've been very highly played. So it'll be interesting to see what champions and what cards we're going to see in both of those factions. But up to this point, man, I'm really excited for this new set, this new expansion of cards. Cannot wait for the 28th to get crafting up some cards and get experimenting with some stuff. Um, I will say this. I think this is one important thing and just a note for people who are going to be looking towards getting into, you know, you, you've already played through closed beta. When you're going to craft stuff, it's going to be very tempting to craft a bunch of cards from the newest set. But if, like me, you have leveled up almost all of your factions or you have leveled up all of your factions to max already, keep in mind that you're going to get cards from the new faction or the new region in your leveling up skill line. Whereas you will no longer have any ability to open up any of these cards from the existing regions other than in your weekly vault. So it may be more important for you to craft champions and cards from the new stuff to existing factions than it is to craft cards in the new faction that's going to come out or the new region that's going to come out. Um, I was just thinking about that the other day and I was like, what am I going to craft? I'm going to craft a whole bunch of, you know, bilge water cards. And I'm like, you know what? I can get a series of bilge water cards from the experience track. I cannot get any more frail yord. I cannot get any more shadow isles. Yeah because I've already leveled those ones up. Luckily, Demacia and, and uh, I finished all but Demacia and uh, I and uh, Noxus. So I could get, you know, Quins and, and Swains from those two lines yet, but I can't get any from these other ones, um, which is an interesting way to look at it. They're saying basically every time a new set comes out, if we don't expand how far these experience tracks go, you have no way to get these except for weekly vaults or um, from crafting them. Crafting. Yeah. Yeah. You can't open them up randomly, which is interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, that that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, it's enough, I hope. <laughs> I hope so, too. It's enough. Well, yeah, another hour and a half episode this week, man. We're just ripping them out. We're ripping them out. I love it, though. There's so much to talk about. Like, that's the key. Like, as long as there's stuff to talk about, I'll never feel bad about uh, having a long episode. <laughs> Absolutely not. And there's lots to talk about right now. Lots to talk about. Yeah. 
Um, but that is going to wrap up uh, the second part of episode 11, or we may call it episode 12. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but it's going to wrap that up. And uh, we want to thank you guys for listening. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. If you do, we'll put you in the drawing for a Legends cast snapback black hat. Um, that we're going to be giving away at the end of this month. They are ordered, so we are just waiting um, to get them in, and uh, hopefully they won't be delayed too badly because of everything going on with COVID-19 right now. Um, and, uh, of course, come and join our Discord and, and all that. DBN is on YouTube um, at Dead Broke Nerd, and I'm on yes. Twitch at The Lift. Twitch.tv yeah, come see us. Lift. Yeah, come hang out with us. But definitely the Discord's the best place to do that. For sure. Like none of us are putting out super reliable content other than this show. So come join us on Discord. We'd love to chat with you. Yeah, jump in the Discord. There's always, even if you don't talk to us, there's some really cool people to talk to besides us. So yeah, you'll enjoy it. Absolutely. And no closing thought for this week, but I'll be sure to have one for next week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and be sure to come back for the rest of the faction reviews um, starting next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you want to become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com legendscast or leave a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts.